The other ones have always said we recorded a great beginning ending. Yeah, that happened again. Well, not a great beginning, a two-second shitty beginning that I just deleted. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Welcome to Getting to Know Cast, episode three. Um, We have another first feat for today's episode. Every episode we've done so far has been like the first, has been breaking podcast history. So, like, the first episode was the first podcast ever recorded. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the second episode was the first ever time Justin's been interviewed. Yeah, the f- this, podcast history. Yeah. This is the first podcast um, that's been recorded in my house. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. It's true. Yeah. Do I... I'm Nick Candido. Um, yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself. And I go to University of Richmond. I'm a senior. I'm studying rhetoric and communication. Everyone always asks me what rhetoric is. And I always say, have you ever heard the phrase rhetorical question? And like, I have. Oh. Or was, oh. That, was that a rhetorical question? It was. <laughs> but you answered it, so it's, it's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, rhetoric is the study of speechcraft. And that's what I do, and it's how I live. Um, okay. Very good. What made you want to do that? Well, interesting story, in fact. Um, As soon as I got to Richmond, I applied to Richmond because there was a business school, just in case that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I visited. Campus was gorgeous, and I just had to go. No other campus has ever hit me in a way that I actually cared to go. It was like I was in the weirdest position of I didn't want to go to any of the places I was applying to when I was looking at colleges. And Mm -hmm. Richmond, University of Richmond, just hit me hard. Okay. That aside, um, so as soon as I got there, I started taking, I took a calculus class and other requirements so I could take the first steps to becoming a marketing business administration major. Mm -hmm. As soon as my sophomore year hit, I had to take accounting, business statistics, business communication, and uh, I don't remember, some other business oriented class all in the same semester. Mm -hmm. I was like, this semester (laughs) sucks. (laughs) And I looked at the itinerary, and these were all the prerequisites to becoming a business major. Yeah. And I hadn't even completed half of them. And the other half was accounting to, B-stats to, something oh, wow. else, something else. And I was like, if I have to do all this just to start, I'm not doing it. <laughs> X-nay on the business major, A. So, like, like, that, like, let me tell you, like, there's few possible ways you could enjoy, enjoy accounting. Like... Okay. Nothing about it is appealing. <laughs> it's not fun. The only thing good about it is you know when you're wrong. Yeah. When you're doing all the problems, you always know when you're wrong. But that was always the case for me. Well, you're always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. So anyway, getting to where I am now, the next semester, someone had told me like, oh, you have a nice voice, a nice speaking voice. You should consider public <laughs> speaking. I was like, I'll look into it. And Rhetoric and Communications 100 was a public speaking class. And I was like, you know what? If all the other classes are anything like this, I'll do it. The next semester, I took four RCHS, RHCS classes, Rhetoric Communication Studies classes. And I just, I rocked that semester. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is my major now. Like, this is what I'm going to do. So it was really on a whim, but it worked. Good choice, you think? The thing is... By the end of it, it started feeling more like an English major, where we would do a lot of readings Mm -hmm. and discuss them in class, and that's not necessarily what I wanted to do. But the ones that are more 
the social science of communication oriented yeah. classes intrigue me to no end. So those classes keep me hooked and I get through the other ones so that I can do more of what I want to do. Okay. Okay. Um, what about like future prospects, aspirations, mm -hmm. things I want to do? Well, <clears throat> on the side, probably not full time, but most definitely on the side, I'd love to be a voiceover artist, a voice talent, like recording commercials, specifically recording cartoons, animated features, anything. I would love to do that. That's a dream of yeah. mine. And in fact, I've been paid to do it in the past, and I had an internship at a prominent studio in Manhattan, so I am on my way. But you want to you want to tell us what kind of talent you've been working with? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you a little about the talent I've been working with. So I started off my voiceover career searching studios in the area that taught this kind of thing, because everyone's like, "Oh, you got a great voice," but that's that means nothing yeah. really. So you go, and I was like, okay, this place has, it was a $100 evaluation class. You pay $100, you're there for five hours, and they tell you whether or not you're good enough for it. They get you in the studio, they get you with professionals. And I dropped it, I was like, this is, a, I think this is a worthy investment. Like, if this is something I really want to mm -hmm. ultimately do, this is worth it. Went in there, five-hour class, there were seven of us, it was very personal, very one-on-one. -on -one. And of those seven, I was the only one who got an email back saying... Like, and, we uh, think you'd be good at this. And they're like... What were, what were the other people like? The other... There was an interesting <laughs> bunch. It was an interesting bunch. It was... I was by far the youngest. Okay. First off. Yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering. Um, there was the one who stood out among anyone else. There was like a 29-year-old girl, like, from the hood, straight up. <laughs> and she had the voice. And it was pretty nice, but, like, honestly, she was terrible at reading Oh, really? <laughs> and, like, and, like, this is nothing against her. Yeah. Like, her voice, it had a good quality to it, a great texture. It, was, it wasn't any, it wasn't plosive. It was, wasn't succinct. These are, these are voice terms, if you're curious. Um, they sound like they would mean. Plosive means you have very punchy P's, and succinct means you hold on to your S's. So those are things you don't you want. You don't want. Like, if you're like, I punched a pineapple... Because, like, uh, okay. like, you can do it on B's, too. Obviously, it wasn't a P. But being plosive is bad news. It means you okay. exhale a lot on big, round letters. Hmm. Terms aside, <laughs> um, she just couldn't read. And one of the biggest things you do is, like, you're handed a paragraph, and they're like, give us a dry read. Just read this how you would. Yeah. You have to read it. And if you make a mistake, like, they're just going to take the next person who didn't. Ah, uh, okay, 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 yeah. So, um... That's funny, yeah. Just, like, reading... Like, reading out loud. Thing, yeah. And the funniest thing is, they say the best practice for a voiceover artist is to pick up anything with text, and on your way to work, read it out loud. Like, mm. you'll sound like a nut. Whatever. You're on the train. Who cares? Yeah. You just grab People Magazine. You read that segment on <laughs> Lipstick. Like, what happened? Just, if you're reading out loud, you'll be better at reading out loud. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. The other person who stood out was this lady who worked in makeup, which is kind of the reason I segued with lipstick. She was she was very good, but uh, there was something about her that just like ticked you off. Like uh, when she huh. read, she was very good, but like if you're sending this person in to represent your company and there's something about her that you just like, I don't like this person. Mm. It's not good. You're representing. You're the voice of that company. Yeah. 
And if there's something about the quality of your voice that people don't like inherently, who's going to hire you? Very interesting. Um, your question also touches upon people I've encountered during my voiceover career. And to start, <laughs> to start, I encountered a, a man of my dreams. <laughs> this is crazy to me. So, um, Are you really just a hero to our generation? A hero, a hero to our generation. A hero in... Literally. Like, literally, a hero in our generation. Um, I'm going to keep this under wraps and have the big reveal, much like he did to me. So, I worked with Edge Studio for two months learning under a professional animation voice artist. Just every, like, two times a week, I would practice with him either over the phone or in the studio, just developing characters, developing texture, just really working it. And the last day... I asked him, I don't know how this question hadn't come up before, and I was like, what have you done in the voiceover world? What mm -hmm. big names have you played? And he's like, well, I'm Yugi Moto from Yu-Gi-Oh. I was like, what? <laughs> what? I watched Yu-Gi-Oh since I can't even remember to this day. I love that series, and he's the voice of the main character. Yeah. <laughs> It hit me hard. I was like, wow. And then as soon as he said that, like, he was like, immediately, he's like, you have to believe in the heart of the cards. And I was like, you are him. You are him. <laughs> the reason I hadn't realized it is because he goes by a pseudonym when he goes over voiceover. So he told me his name, his name, and mm -hmm. his name didn't match what I had known to be the voice of Yugi. And it was, it was nuts. Dan Green. Dan Green. Dan Green, folks. <laughs> Daniel I still, Green. I still can't believe that that was like... I mean, he's a le he's he's a legend. He's been a legend for forever. It's like Dan Green. Like for some reason, <laughs> even as a kid, you knew that Dan Green voiced him. <laughs> yeah. Who on earth? Why would you know who voiced who when you're watching cartoons? But we knew. There are like there are like three like two or three voice actors who like I could name. Who are you familiar with? Like Stephen Blum. Steve Blum. <laughs> <laughs> He, that's a man I want to meet. Steve Blum has the most rich yeah. bass tone <laughs> out of anyone ever. Ever. Yeah. Um, to name some names, uh, Tom from Toonami, the host of Toonami, Mugen from Mugen. Samurai Champloo, Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop, Amon from Legend of Korra, um, Toto from Code Geass, the, the list goes on. <laughs> Funimation just casts him in every single show. Yeah. And then there's um, Grandma Flanagan. Flanagan, voice of Naruto, has never done <laughs> anything else worthy of anything. Having an old woman voice a young male protagonist, it's you got to do it if you have a long series. Yeah. You have to do it. Um, notable series that didn't was uh, The Last Airbender, Avatar. Hey Arnold, too. Hey Arnold as well. They had both were right around 10 years old, and they were voiced by young males. And it's so hard to keep that up because young males. Every like I'm pretty sure every season of Harold was played by a different. Character. The only it would be the only way to keep it up. Yeah. Like if you have if you have a show running for six years, you can't have a ten year old voice behind it. He'll grow up. Yeah. And. Yeah, it wouldn't sound right to have like a. A man playing a boy. And the worst, honestly, one of the least my least favorite things is when they cast a like a woman. For a young boy. Mm -hmm. Like, it sounds alright, but you always know when you're listening to it. Yeah. Like, Ash Ketchum is voiced by a woman. Yeah, you can tell. 
Um, sure. Yeah, I'm not gonna name more names, but <clears throat> yeah, you can tell, and it's it doesn't sound as good. Like Ang, Hey Arnold, couple other people like those. They, they were always good, always mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um. All right. Tell me about your name. My name. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna say this because people haven't ever registered that they've watched or listened to the show before. You've asked this every single show. This is this a recurring. I don't know. I like I like this question. Um, there's always a story behind. Well, I'll give you the full spiel. I go by Nick Candido. That's my name. I signed that on legal documents. I probably shouldn't. My name is Nicholas Reynolds Raphael Candido. <laughs> That's my full name. That is my full name. And the most interesting of those, Candido means sincere, white, and pure in Italian. Oh, I never knew that, really? AKA candid. Oh, uh, uh, okay. But wow. really, really more close to the translation would be sincere. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly a theme that's run in our family. Like, I, my grandfather, like, you could ask anyone in Pelham, like, sincere was probably the most pinnacle name of defining a Candido. Hmm. It's bizarre how that transcends. Yeah. But I would, I would, I mean, not, it betrays modesty, but I would say I'm a decently sincere and genuine person, mm-hmm. not above all else, but it's one of my qualities and the name really speaks it. It's, I think it works. Candido, sincere, Italian in origin. Um, Nicholas holds no special significance. Merely it was the sound of Nicholas Candido that attracted my parents to the name. Okay. I have no ancestor no relative who is nick and my father actually it may be the lack of significance that's significant my father my father's grandfather is ilario candido and he's larry candido oh all right his brother is sal and their father was salvatore candido i think my dad was intentionally going against away that hereditary naming, and he's like, I want my kids to be their own people, not a shadow of their ancestors. Mm. So that applies for all three of us, my older brother and younger brother, all have names that haven't shown up in our family's history. The one of most significance would be Reynolds. That's my middle name. And Raphael's my confirmation name. I'm not terribly religious, whatever. I said it to sound cool. (laughs) Reynolds? It's it's definitely your coolest sounding name. Reynolds is my grandfather on my mother's side, last name. But it is not my mom's maiden name. Okay. Now, this is a long discussion that I'd rather not get into. But my mom is Annette Banks and my grandfather is Albert Reynolds. To ensure that his name wouldn't be forgotten, because that rightfully should be her maiden name, mm-hmm. she wanted one of her sons or daughters to have the middle name Reynolds. And I have it in, in tribute to Pappy, Albert Reynolds, my grandfather. Pappy, that's nice. Um, Alright, cool, cool. So, like, what, what, how would people, other people describe you? How would other pipe people describe me? Yeah. Now, inherently this, what I answer is going to be different than what people actually think and different from how I describe myself and different from how I actually (laughs) am. Right. So. We're at like the fourth level of Declension of character. (laughs) Fourth declension of character description right here, folks, right on getting to know Ken. Um, How people, how I think that people would describe me. Right. um, The first word would be loud. Now, I don't mean this to be like the traditional sense, although it matches because 
I'm Italian, and I'm just a loud person in voice. But that's not what's important. Loud, I have a very large head of spiky hair. I have a very extroverted personality. And this is what people have told me, but I, I would agree it holds true. Um, and that's like, they would, like, I'm a quirky, but not like shun kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, like, there are quirky people you know are weird and you appreciate their humor occasionally, but you know they're a weird person. Yeah, yeah. I am not that, but I am quirky. I think that might be the best way that people would think I am. Um, yeah, um, loud in, loud in personality and in amplitude. Yeah, I, that's definitely, that's accurate. <laughs> Um, oh, wow, okay. Do you remember how we met? How we first met? Okay, so, <laughs> we're old friends, for the for the listeners out there. We've known each oh, other yeah. for quite a while. Yeah. Harry recalls knowing me for longer than I do. <laughs> so, to me, I met Harry in high school. Uh-huh. Um, no, middle, middle school. school. Middle school. I met him, of my recollection, I met him in seventh grade. Um, where we had this science teacher who mistook me for my brother. Now, that had been happening a lot. Everyone would be like, oh, are you Zach Candy? And I was like, no, Zach is my older brother. <laughs> Every teacher had been saying that. But this why would lady, they? Why would they think you're, that you're your older brother if they already had your older brother? I, I, I phrased that incorrectly. They would call me Zach even though my name uh, was okay. clearly Nick. They would just, like, forget. But this lady called me Sal Candido. Sal is my... Uncle. Uncle My Sal. uncle. Great guy. 35 year alum <laughs> from Pella Memorial High School and I'm mistaken for him by this teacher. This teacher must have been there the entire time. <clears throat> How on earth did you... What? I'm not him. That was years ago. But that aside, I met Harry. Harry and a couple other people in that class, but Harry was one of my closest friends that year simply because we sat near each other and ultimately found out that we had similar likes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, the, that's how we became friends. But we actually had an earlier encounter, which I can't believe you don't remember this because it's like a pivotal moment in our relationship. But it did not happen. We were, this is probably in like second or third grade, and I was over at the Diefenbach's house getting some, hanging out at like a dinner party with my parents. My neighbors. Nick's neighbors, yeah, your neighbors. And we were playing kickball in the backyard. And this, like, just weird kid just, like, shows up and just, like, intrudes on our kickball game. I was just like, who, I was like, who is this weirdo? And they were just like, oh, that's, that's Nick, he's the neighbor. And I was just like, this kid is strange, like, I don't like him. (laughs) Like, I don't know, I just felt... Is there anything I did? No, you were just an intruder. So... (laughs) Second grade self. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> just, just totally like, just, um, what's the word? Like, like unconscious of like, you know, doing anything wrong. You just like showed up like, Hey, <laughs> what's up? This is a case and it's happened multiple times of my ephemeral memory. My memory is abysmal. I can't remember anything. I don't remember most of the elementary school. I don't remember, like, what happened three weeks ago. Like, I just have a bad memory. You drink, so I, you drink a lot. So, not not necessarily. <laughs> so, I drank tons of apple juice. Um, 
But no, yeah. I just I just have no recollection of this event whatsoever. I mean, there's really no reason you should remember it. Like, I don't know why I remember it, really. I, you just, like, made an impression on me, I guess. Like, And then, because I didn't even see you again until probably, Science. like, five or six years after that in seventh grade. Or whatever, four or five. Um, yeah. Okay. Our seventh grade science teacher was Mrs. Arm. What? Like the appendage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, what can you tell me about this lady? <sighs> um, rather stout, yes. I would say. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Most of the people in the class were taller than her, even the short kids. Um, she definitely wore glasses. Yep. Curly, reddish hair. Yep. Um... Yeah, no, I have a very oddly distinct memory of her physical form because yeah. of the fact that she's so out of this world mistook me for my uncle. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that clicked in my mind. I was like, this is the lady who was just crazy that day. <laughs> and then, like, I just have, I, I know what she looks like, yeah. Yeah, but like, I don't really don't remember, like, that's pretty much it. And I also remember she taught us, she was the first person to ever teach me about stem cell research. Nice. Seventh grade. Seventh grade, yeah. And that's like still like as cutting edge scientific knowledge uh, as I have. But it's, yeah, the same lady who mistook me for my uncle was teaching us about stem cell research. <laughs> yeah. Living in multiple multiple decades <laughs> is the word. Um, but yeah, I really don't like remember her that much. She was a pretty, I mean, she was nice. That's what else I remember too. I remember mm-hmm. She was always very nice. Most definitely. I liked her. Um... Yeah, but, I don't know, fairly insignificant other than that. Um, hmm, I don't know, I want to ask you about Richmond, but I don't really know what to ask you. Uh, I mean, is it, di- is it different from, are the people there different from the people in New York? Or can yes. you not really say? No, I could, I could speak to that. The <clears throat> student body of University of Richmond is overwhelmingly northeast. Mm-hmm. So on campus, that's interesting. On campus, like the mode state to be from would be New Jersey. Really? I'm not kidding. Really? Wow, <clears throat> that's strange. Richmond would probably come in a close second, but New Jersey takes the cake, and I don't know why. But um, Richmond itself, the campus—no, I mean, no, the campus of University of Richmond itself—is mm-hmm. most definitely a bubble. If you don't have a okay. car, you're in the middle of the woods. You can't leave campus. Like, it would take a 20-minute walk to find the nearest grocery store. Oh, wow. Like, it's... Yeah. But if you have a car, it's like a three-minute drive. It's just weirdly placed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like we go into the city ever or at all. They, they, It's a bubble, and they give you no reason to leave. That's yeah. how campus works. Syracuse is kind of the same way. Um, however, when you go into the city, I mean, yeah, the city... Outside, when you go, when you leave campus, people are significantly nicer, greet you, and significantly slower. Okay. That last point is key, because it's much like, Richmond is like a north-south state. It's a hybrid. Mm -hmm. And the south really comes out when you're buying your month's worth of groceries, and it takes like 15 minutes for them to put it in bags. It's like, (laughs) would you like it in paper or plastic? And then they ask you that for every set of five groceries. And it's just like, it's like this is taking time. And the New York is kicking in me where I'm like tapping my foot. And yeah. normally, well, I'm not a patient person. 
but like I'm not impatient to the point of rudeness. Mm-hmm. So I'll be I'll internalize the impatience. Yeah. But it still exists. Have you ever like called someone out? Been like, lady, come on. I got I, I, I haven't to do. I haven't it's never slipped. I've been pretty good about control. I never like snapped at someone trying to get them to go. Faster. And no, I haven't. <laughs> and that was so much more the case my first two years. Uh-huh. And then I went to Australia abroad and then I came back and I had like a weirdly new appreciation for things. And it no longer bothers me. I think I've lost the Manhattan because I've been living somewhere else for so long. Was it kind of was it sort of slow in Australia too? Or um like, why what what made you change? Um <clears throat> Australia It's hard to describe. In Australia, I was in Sydney. I was right near Sydney, which is much akin to Manhattan in terms of mentality. Mm. Um, so when you're walking around Sydney, no one is patient. No one wants to be greeted. And if you're greeted, it's a sign of rudeness because you're like, if you're walking around the city, I would say this for Manhattan as well. If I'm walking around the city, this is my solitude. I'm walking around with so many people around me and everything I want to do is be alone, Yeah, yeah. which is not akin to my character, but akin to the city. A, the city. a city, yeah, a city mentality. So if you greet someone, you're breaking them out of their solitude and you're like, why are you talking to me? Yeah, Unless definitely. you have a good reason for stopping me, like, I will glare at you and I will keep walking. <laughs> yeah. That's that's how the city works. And it's different because once you escaped Sydney, which was nearly predominantly Asian. Really? Surprisingly enough. Sydney itself. Like Chinese or Like Indian? Chinese. Like huh. influx of Chinese people. Because for students in China, it looks really good to have an Australian degree. Yeah. So they leave, they go to Australia, go to university, and then they go back to China with their Australian degree, and it looks a lot nicer than going to, like, a Chinese mm-hmm. university in terms of trying to stand out. So that's why they all come in. But they only go to the Sydney. So they're going to University of New South Wales, they're going to University of Sydney, and they're just getting those degrees. I didn't go to either of those schools, but... Yeah. That's yeah. weird. I wouldn't, think, I wouldn't think there's, like, so many Chinese... At least 40%. People. Wow. Just in the schools or in the city? At my school, Macquarie, it was the case. In the city, walking around, it was the case. But if you left the Sydney area, especially if you left New South Wales, which is a state, mm-hmm. the state that Sydney is in and capital of, um, if you left New South Wales, it, it that was it. It was gone. They were there to be in Sydney yeah, and to yeah. study in Sydney. And if you go to, like, Melbourne, if you go to Cairns, if you go to Brisbane, like, all Australians, it's... Mm. And Aboriginals. Yeah. Um, are there a lot of Aboriginals? Um, do, I they, do they act like... Do they retain any of their, like, tribal culture? There are, like, Aboriginals Aboriginals, uh-huh. and then there are, like, assimilated Aboriginals. Yeah. But that would make up about 5 to 10% of people. Both of them? Or? Uh, combined 10. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Like, there um, weren't, like, I didn't encounter that many. And yeah. I traveled all over the country. So it wasn't, they weren't like a common thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely and, minority. Yeah. Most definitely minority. And I don't know if they were discriminated against. I'm sure they are and were. But like, it wasn't like a prominent mm-hmm. facet of their society. It wasn't like being discriminatory against Aboriginals is a thing people do. That's not the case. Right. It, yeah, okay. okay. But like, if you're out in the outback, 
anything goes. So it's, <laughs> it's prevalent there and other things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. What was your favorite Australian dish? Um, it was weird because the first shopping mall I went to in Australia, downstairs they had a Hungry Jack's, a Burger King, a McDonald's, a KFC, and I'm like, have I left? Yeah. <laughs> and the weird thing was everything tasted weird. The Coca-Cola tasted different. Mm-hmm. The burgers were not the same. A large Coke was probably a small Coke. In America. Oh, wow. In terms of size of the cup. Because everything is, like, really difficult to... They have to import everything, right? I mean, it may be that, but not even necessarily, because it's just, like, the American way is to have huge cups yeah, and yeah. have more of everything. So you, I was just getting less of everything when I went to McDonald's, at the least. Mm-hmm. Um, Did they serve anything different at, at Mickey D's? Mickey D's was Kangaroo, relatively... Kangaroo burgers. No, but Roo burgers are delicious. <laughs> really? Kangaroo meat is scrumptious. I didn't know that was a real thing. <laughs> That's a thing. That's a thing. Kangaroo meat is delicious. I had a good time with kangaroo. Uh, but they didn't serve it at McDonald's. Um, no. Yeah. The, like, it was, there was a lot of fast food, and it felt very American to me at first. I was like, what? Is there anything like inherently Australian and it's very much like America in that way where there's not a lot of like food from their own place okay yeah, yeah. it's more like a conglomerate of everything else like you can find Chinese Mexican and Italian in the same strip if you're walking down Sydney it wasn't like there's no Australian food would consist of I guess roux meat um lots lots of fish and chips okay um yeah, I mean, I can't really speak to anything else. I, like, there wasn't anything that really stood out as Australian food. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a lot like America, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. What makes you dance? What would make me dance? Yeah. Now, this is tough, because I don't really like dancing, <laughs> per se. Like, i just like, I'm not going to go dance. Come on. <laughs> But there's moments when a song just has that right kick, that right beat, that lets me embrace the freedom of the form of dance. Yeah. I would I would say that I'm a relatively free person, but I just don't like dancing. You can that's fine. You don't have to be free and like dancing. It's not synonymous. Yeah. But there's something about embracing the freedom of dancing that only certain songs can do. A song with like a driving a, a driving beat, a cool melody, <laughs> and lots of parts. I love parts. Okay. The thing is, I do acapella at school as well, and I've gotten a very, very discerning ear because of it, and whenever I listen to a song now, I split it up into stab, like, sopranos, tenors, uh, altos, and basses. Like, I just, I split it up, I was like, what would I give these parts to these people, and if I can do that to a song without thinking about it, I'll start liking it, and I'll start, I'll start grooving a little bit, yeah, sure. What, like, what are some of your favorite songs to dance to? Songs to <coughs> dance, or maybe there aren't to. any. Maybe there aren't any specific ones. It's like there isn't, and I would say that because, like, if you, I'm at a club and I'm not really feeling the scene, mm-hmm. but then this song comes up that I don't know, <laughs> yeah. I'll get up, I'll schmuzzle a little bit. Sure, why not? It's it'll be a good time. It'll be fun. Second thing I'll do is Shazam it. Put that thing on my <laughs> iTunes. So I'm always I'm a song hunter. I go around, I find, I collect. <laughs> 
um, what is the best Halloween costume you've ever worn? Best Halloween costume I've ever worn would be a tie, but I'm going... It's not a tie. I just want to mention the top two. Second place would be Jack Sparrow, ninth grade. The funniest part about this was I put on an accent that was most definitely not accurate, <laughs> but I it. slipped into it. I couldn't slip into it now. I don't know what it sounded like. Okay. I'm not going to do it. But um, I put this accent on. I remember distinctly because I was dressed in this costume for a football game, and I used to be on marching band, so I was in a, at an away game in my Halloween costume playing the <laughs> bass drum. Whatever. The whole time I was speaking this voice, to the point where I'm sure it was annoying some people, to the point where I forgot what my voice sounded like. And I couldn't oh, wow. revert to it. Because I had been doing this for like seven hours. Yeah. I got on a bus ride there, there, a bus ride back. I was like, I don't know how I normally sound. And I couldn't, I just kind of stopped speaking for the day, went to sleep, and it was only until the next day that I could just not think about it and speak in my voice again. That's amazing. Wow. So that costume really changed me that day, at least. It hasn't changed me since. But I haven't told many people that story. I'm glad that came out. That's funny. Um, best Halloween costume was Tua T Charmander. I was Charmander senior year of high school, and I had a friend who was Bulbasaur, a friend who was Squirtle, and a friend who was Ash Ketchum. Everyone kept asking why we didn't have a Pikachu. If you haven't clued in, these are Pokemon. So I was Charmander. I had a tail full of newspaper, and it was an orange sleeve of a long sleeve shirt sewn to my back so it was propped up and at the end the most creative part was i bought three mead folders you know mead whatever mead like the drink no mead like m-e-a-d like brand of paper goods (laughs) okay like notebooks compact notebooks like spiral notebooks and folders um i bought a yellow one an orange one and a red one and what i did was i held i stapled them all in like a big sun looking like thing. It had multiple points. I cut the folders up into triangles. Stapled them all together at the center. Bent them up and stapled them all together at the top. And it looked exactly like a flame. I propped that right at the edge of the tail. And the costume was complete. I remember that. That was a nice... I mean the rest of the costume was good. You know. Mm-hmm. Nice red. Nice orange. But that tail man. Work of art. Thank you. It was rather unwieldy, and sitting in chairs for the day was a task. Yeah. But most definitely worth it. <laughs> um, dude, what about your... I can't believe you didn't mention... You're right. I have two other ones, and they have been good as well. But Jack Sparrow had the best story behind it, and Charmander had the most creativity behind it. But I've also been Quail Man and Hey Arnold. Um, Arnold... I had a blue sweater in my room. I didn't have a costume. All I had was a yellow box. I was like, what am I going to do? What costume can I make out of this? I've got three hours to make a costume and attend a Halloween party. I was in Australia at the time. And I was like, I've got nothing. So I just started cutting the box. And the box cut into one half of what looked like Arnold's hair. <laughs> Did you intend to do that? I started cutting it for fun. And then it, <coughs> I had the idea while cutting it. Oh, okay, okay. So wow. I cut the other one out of the other side. Put those on the sides of my head, had a blue hat, had a sweater, had the like the crazy collar kilt thing that Arnold has going on, and the costume was great in three hours. Like, one of my finest pieces of art. Also, I was Quail Man, but there's no story. Um, wow, so many good costumes. Thank you. 
Was I, there one you wanted to mention? Yeah, I wanted to mention the time you dressed up as a rare hunter. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I mentioned four costumes that I thought were great, and none of them were the one you wanted me to yeah. talk about. Um, a rare hunter is a flunky villain in one season of Yu-Gi-Oh! We mentioned Yu-Gi-Oh! earlier. Season 2, I think, right? And, yeah, season 2, Battle City. Battle City. I had this robe, big black robe, hood over my face, but I could see through the hood. So no one knew what I was, and no one could practically see me. So it was extra spooky, extra perfect. Around my neck, I had the Millennium Puzzle, which is a pinnacle item in the Yu-Gi-Oh! series. Gold, shiny, it looked good. And on my arm, I had a dual disc. You can play the trading card game on the dual disc. Everyone's running around. So those three things. And when people would ask me, to avoid explanation, I would say it's a giant arm blade, because it yeah. looked like it. But that costume was, was nice. I don't know. That one really sticks out to me. For some reason. I forget what year that was. That was, that was definitely middle school. 7th grade, 8th grade. 7th grade, 8th grade. Um, okay. Um, oh, yeah. Um, if you had a theme song, I don't know, if we, I think we talked about this before, maybe. But if you had a theme song, like, whenever you walked into the room and everyone Easy. heard it. Easy. My anthem would be the Pirates of the Caribbean theme. <laughs> That's right. Hoist the high sails, drop that tune. I'd be dancing to that tune, answer the question before. But dancing just because it just... That song means so much to me. Anytime someone new gets in my car, I blast that song and go much faster than I should. Just for that moment. But um, Pirates of the Caribbean, the first movie is great. The rest of them are alright. I've seen them all, whatever. Um, it's... The song means to me, like, taking to the seas, embracing freedom, no laws, and doing whatever you want. And those are values that I really appreciate. So, there's a deeper meaning, a surface value, and it sounds cool. It's a great orchestration. So, I don't know if that's a word. Um, For those reasons alone, it would be my anthem. It's actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, That's a good answer. All right. This is an important thing. We need to talk about this. Um, I'm spooked. Do you? Ha- oh, you should be. Do you have any irrational fears? <laughs> oh, <laughs> drops the curveball. For some reason, I didn't think this would come up. <laughs> All right, I have a very bizarre fear. You're free to Google it. It's called trypophobia. Tripo. T R Y P O phobia. Um, more people have it than they know because they probably haven't encountered it. It is the fear of holes in clusters. Now let me explain. Me, my older brother, my younger brother, and my grandfather all have this fear. Which leads me to believe it's hereditary. Um, that aside, it, it essentially means I am just uncomfortable, possibly queasy, at the sight of something with just holes in it. Like, a lot of holes. Like, especially... Like, flesh, if it was, like, stabbed a lot of times uh, in an unorderly fashion with different sized spherical objects, like, <laughs> gross! Ugh! Just the image is killing me! Google trypophobia, and you'll find some nasty junk. Like, the lotus plant, I don't know if you know what a lotus plant is, you can Google that too, but it'll come up in trypophobia <clears throat> Google search. Hideous, especially when things are poking out of it. The it's lotus, just... lotus plant is like the white strawberry, or is that something else? This... There's multiple things that lotus can mean. Um, okay. uh, the lotus I'm specifically discussing is a brown shell of a thing with a lot of holes in the top. 
It almost looks like like if a kid drew a tulip and colored it in brown. That's what it kind of looks like. But it has a lot of holes in it. And usually insects are poking out of it. I have no problem with bugs. But like if something poking out of one of those holes. God. Oh, so gross. The white strawberry is gross. Um, I don't mind strawberries because their holes are pretty orderly and there's seeds. But the white strawberry is gross. You got to look that up too. Honeycombs, still kind of gross. Like things with holes. It's pretty irrational, I understand. What? Um, I mean, where do you think this is coming from? Genetics, I guess? Well, yeah. One well, I okay, s- how about this? What, when was the first time you you realized? The first you time this? The first time would date back many years ago. Um, I have cousins who live upstate. And Cousin Clay? Yes, yeah. Clay lives there. It's my mom's brother. Um... Whatever. They live upstate. They have a pool and a lot of things outdoorsy. So that's pretty... What's the word? It's made for a lot of bugs and things. It's like a place where bugs can cultivate. Mm -hmm. And like under the slide, under ridges would always be beehives. And I've never been stung by a bee and I've never been scared of bees. So what like... I don't know. It wasn't my parents, but like my cousins would send me out. To go kill these beehives. <laughs> and terror, you should not have been doing that. And my weapon of choice was this like foot long wrench. Looked really cool. So I could get under things, dig things, scrape things. One time under the slide, like a slide that flies into a pool. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of bees around there and I was just digging the wrench and I knocked a hive down. It fell. All the bees scattered instead of attacking me. I guess they didn't really know what was going on. And I went down to see my, my kill. And I went down and it was just this like amorphous, huge, <laughs> probably three inches in diameter, cut in half beehive. Uh-huh. Gross looking. <laughs> Look inside of it. All these holes, like they're not maggots, but they're probably bee larvae. In sparing holes. It was the grossest thing I'd ever seen. Stepped on it. Stepped on it probably 15 times. Hit it with a wrench and ran. Like, wow. It was like, it was a guttural reaction. It was the insatiable need to destroy this thing that I was scared of. And I don't know if it clicked to me that I was scared of that thing in general, but I knew I hated that. Mm-hmm. Um, over time, me and my brothers had realized that we all have the same fear. But it's not a fear. I'm not scared of it. It just makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, especially if you imagine feeling it. That would be the worst. That's what it is. Like, you look at the images. The images are whatever. But if you imagine feeling it, <laughs> whoo, gross. Um, yeah, and it's more common than people know because they haven't really encountered it. If you Google uh-huh. trypophobia and you gag, you've got it. That's it. <laughs> Bar right. none. So, test, so test yourself. Test yourself. I spelt it earlier, but uh, T-R-Y-P-O-phobia, Google it. Have you ever met, other than your brothers, have you met anyone? My brother's ever? girlfriend. Really? Wow. My brother sent her an image that the three of us were uncomfortable with, and she's like, that's really gross, and it was a pie. Mm-hmm. Like, why would baked goods gross you out unless you hated holes? Um, it was one of those pies with, like, a lot of diamond-shaped holes, almost argyle okay, in yeah, appearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hate those. Look bad. Hate them. <laughs> um, I've seen people who've hated the images, and I've seen people who've just been blasé at the images. Mm-hmm. So... It's fascinating. This is a fascinating case. Yeah. Um, 
Well, yeah, good luck, like, in your tripophobia. <laughs> I, like, I have no intentions of getting over it, because that would involve a lot of viewing. I mean, it seems pretty easy to avoid. Yeah, it's, it's like... It's subtle. It doesn't matter. And, yeah. like, unless it's right in my face, I'm not going to react wildly to it. So it's it's not really in my life. It's not a big deal, yeah. But it's funny that that's a thing. Yeah, right, I'm glad you can see the humor in it. <laughs> um, Alright, I think that... Wow. We're already at 45 minutes. Nice. Um, Alright, that does it for the Q&A portion of the... Ooh. Episode. That means we're moving on to portion two. This is called Let's Play a Game. So we're going to play two games today. Um, two or three games? I don't know what your plan is. Oh, we're actually playing three games today. Wow, this is going to be a long episode. Um, I mean, we can either blaze through them, or if one game seems more fascinating, stick with it. We'll see. I mean, there's no reason to... Cut short. Cut short, yeah. Um, okay. The first game we're going to play is a game you and I have played many times. Just a classic, really, in our, yes. in our rapport. Uh, this is a game we like to call Would You Rather. So the rules are simple. A question is posed, and then we answer what we would rather do. Alright. <laughs> you ready? Aren't you going to ask me first? Yeah, I'm gonna, I have a list of things here. If you have ones... Definitely. Or how about, maybe I'll ask you these first, and then if you can think of any, you can... Yeah, I wouldn't want to waste time trying to conjure one, but yeah. bring them up. Alright, number one. Would you rather be able to speak to dolphins or be able to speak Arabic? Whew. Okay. Before I answer, I want to speak to the two. Okay. There's clearly more practicality in one in terms of human interaction and... Things you may need in the business world or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But speaking Arabic is much like people taking Mandarin Chinese in college. I think it's a dumb move. <laughs> I think it's stupid. You're wasting your time, especially because Chinese and Arabic are so tough yeah. coming from a romance-influenced language. No, I'm just saying, in this scenario, you just know it. Fluent. Boom. Dolphins. Dolphins. I agree. Like, this is my argument. If you can speak to dolphins, you would be, I mean, no one else can do that. Like, you would, for just purely scientific discovery, you would be a, a modern marvel. You'd be able to contribute so much. The thing is, can the dolphins respond? Uh, yeah. In their rudimentary way? Yeah. Like, they might say, like, feed me! Whatever. Something like that. <laughs> awesome. No. Uh, take, like, freaking hands up, because you don't put your hands down if you're excited. Hands up. Dolphins, like yeah, I agree. The only the only um, concern I would have is you might be like brought in for scientific testing and like experimented on for being like a freak who can. I speak mean, to dolphins. that's only if you make it known, which I would because it could be like not only could it, it be, be big lucrative, but it could be like it would be cool. Like you'd be the dolphin whisperer, like, <laughs> yeah. like the man who can speak to dolphins. <laughs> Although, since you're the only one who can do it, there's no way they can prove you can. Well, no, you'd be able, you can tell them, like, dolphins, swim over here. And they'd like, listen. Yeah, you can prove it. Alright, yeah, I think right, that's a pretty, that's a clear, clear choice. You, I guess you're risking, like, scientific exploitation, but I'd be willing to take that risk. Yeah. Um, okay, would you rather 
have a third limb, a third arm, sorry, but it's limp and non-functioning. So it would just like hang from your chest. Like, kind where of, would it? Where would it be? Um, let's say like right here, under your armpit, under your left armpit, and it would just hang down. You couldn't control it. Okay. Or only eat cereal and water for twenty years. <laughs> Not even milk. Not even milk. Only twenty cereal years. And water. Yeah, twenty years. And this is obviously assuming you can't remove the arm. Right, you can't remove the arm. You know what? From only eating cereal, you might lack the nutrition and all your limbs would go limp. Let's say no. For this scenario, no. It would keep you alive. It would would be nutritious enough. Okay. Um, It's essentially between becoming a monster (laughs) and ever pleasing your palate again. Yeah. Well, it's 20 years. It's not your whole life. It's only 20 years. God. You'd be nourished and fed and fine. Yeah. It would just... You'd be eating gruel every day, essentially. Cereal. By the way, not good cereal either. Like, like, hun- like no, not honey. Like, wheat like, mix. God, wheat mix. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wet wheat mix. <laughs> yeah. Every day, every meal, 20 years. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to, you could eat it dry, but it really wouldn't taste that good. It wouldn't matter. Yeah, that would just be for variety. <laughs> you couldn't, like, season it, you couldn't eat anything else. Um, but on the other hand, if you had that limp arm, you would just be a freak. Yeah. Yo, I'd take the internal struggle. I'd eat the cereal and water. you take the internal struggle over the social persecution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd do it. Yeah, I would too. It would be tough, but I would not want to just have an arm like dangling. You, you'd probably be a little less athletic because it'd be in the way. I mean, you wouldn't, yeah. Uh, like, shirts would feel weird. Yeah, you'd have to cut a hole in every one of your shirts so for your arm. stupid just... limp, probably <laughs> more pale than the rest of you with <laughs> <Yeah>. appendages <laughs> jutting out of your system. Every time you took a shower, you'd have to wash it, like, pick it up. Oh! Wash it. Oh! <laughs> yeah, I mean, cereal... <laughs> and water. 20 years. Starting when? Right immediately? Um, yeah. Like the last it would have to, no, it would have to be immediately. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Would you um, rather have to always dress like a pirate or have to always speak like a pirate? Now, this one is actually kind of easy for me because... My college career, my future career, and a lot of other things would depend on it. Uh, I would dress like a pirate. It might actually like get you some more work. Cause they'd be like, look at that. Who's that character over there just like a pirate? Yeah, like, if you'd be like a guy, like, everyone would know you'd be dressed as the pirate. Like, for me, vo- it, like, specifically voiceover work, no one cares or knows what you look like. So I would be fine in that regard, sure. except that, like... You, they'd probably assume you're a crackhead or a weirdo because <laughs> yeah. you're in a pirate outfit. But if you, like, assured them that you were normal right then and there, like, they might have to I accept think, it. I think you'd make a worse first impression, but it would be easier to create a better lasting impression. Because if you were always talking like a pirate, no one would take you seriously. Never. Like, no matter what. No, and after four years of... Not four. Three... Two and a half 
years of studying like speech craft, yeah. I would never want to revert to like piracy. <laughs> it would it would be kind of cool, but I'd have to pick the outfit for the rest of my days. Hmm. Yeah, I I would, I guess I would too. I mean, yeah, I guess so. I would really hate to always have to do either of those. Though. That would suck. <laughs> you can never really look nice for an interview. I don't know if you'd ever get a job. That's true. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's but tough. again, like you'd be able, you you would be able to, you'd be able to say, like, listen. It was between dressing like a pirate and talking like a pirate. At least I, at least you can see I'm normal. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, imagine like an elaborate <laughs> pirate outfit and then like a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> like, listen, sorry. I know this looks ridiculous. I understand. I have to deal with this every day. Just please take me seriously. It's so funny <laughs> if there was a parrot involved. Yeah, you, you have had like that. But no, yeah, it's got to be dressing. Yeah. All right. Um. This is not, like, controversial enough. What the hell? Um, oh, okay. Would you rather be a never-nude or be bald? Wow. Could you wear a wig or toupee? Yeah, you could. I'd probably go bald. I mean, what are the... Um, what, are the what are the drawbacks of being what a What constitutes never-nude? What don't you take off? It means you, no matter what, <laughs> I'm basing this off of Arrested Development. Yeah. You always just wear jorts. Always. I like you shower in them. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. There's, um, a, there's too many things you miss out on by not being able to be naked. Like, I don't know if, I mean, because in this show, ooh, that's the thing, actually. Like, in this show, is does it turn out that maybe it's not Tobias's kid? I have no idea. Because that was always like a big thing in the show. So I'm wondering like, if Tobias can have sex. If Never Nudes can have sex. That's what I'm... I mean, like, maybe you could unzip and let, let things fly. <laughs> but I don't know if that is what the Never Nude philosophy is trying to guard. Like, I just shouldn't be seeing... It's air. just so... It's just so shameful that, like, even you can't expose it to yourself or to anyone else. Man. Can oh. you change jorts, or do you have to wear those? Yeah, you change. Ones? You can change, but um, I wonder how he does that. Yeah, it's just brief. I guess I would rather be bald. Yeah, I mean, like I'm assuming are you bald. can't. I'm assuming you can't have sex. I think maybe he's not Tobias's kid, so I don't think he's ever naked, ever. Yeah, bald it is, I guess. And like people are bald, but people really aren't never nudes. Not that anyone else would really know about your never nudeness. I, mean, I could be a never nude. You wouldn't know. True, but I don't think so. <laughs> you got me <laughs> caught in the lie. <laughs> okay, yeah, bald it is. Um, okay, next one. How many do you have? A lot. <laughs> We're like halfway through. Uh, not even. Okay, would you rather have hands like the guy in the Skittles commercial, who everything he touches just bursts into Skittles, or would you rather have Edward Scissorhands hands? Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Skittle Power, but that means you, never, you can never touch anyone. But you couldn't touch anyone with scissor hands. And either, yeah, it, I mean, if you had scissor hands, you could pick stuff up at least, I guess. 
Oh, you can't you can't grab anything. It'll burst into skittles. Boom, skittles. Yeah. You'd have to eat with your face. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Even yeah. Like soup would be a task. You'd have to get a straw. Yeah, you'd have to use a straw. Yeah. You, like I would probably you know in Zoolander the hand model mm. how he like he has his hand in like a glass case to protect it. That's what I would do. I just have both my hands. To make like, sure I never touch anything. Yeah, just never touch it, and hopefully never touch those glass cases. Yeah, I mean they would be like big enough so I could wiggle around. Hmm. Scissor hands would probably be more practical. It would be, because <clears throat> you could, I mean, you know, you could cut people up if you wanted. You could be a very good hedge cutter. I believe that's a thing. Yeah, he uh, cuts people's hair. Um, who would let that cut? <laughs> he's. I don't know. He's good. Yeah, he's, he's good. But, like, honestly, like, not that this is ever going to be the case, but imagine in the middle of the desert, if you turn anything to Skittles, at least you got something to eat. I mean... At least you've always got a snack. Yeah, but they were... <laughs> Just turn whatever it is to Skittles. Dude, you would be the resolution to, like, the entire world's garbage problem. The hunger crisis. You could solve so many problems. Skittle hands. <laughs> Wow, you're right, actually. You, you changed my mind. Yeah, because then you could just, yeah, turn waste into Skittles and then feed it to, like, kids in Africa. I don't know if they're a good source of nutrition. Probably not. I mean, they're better than not eating Skittles. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Like, you could probably live off... Do you think you could live off Skittles? No, I don't think so. No, you'd be malnutrition in a lot yeah. of things. Like, protein, a lot of vitamins. But it would help, you're right. Like, um, if you're in a starving situation, like, eating Skittles is better than not eating Skittles. Yeah. I bet the Skittles people would come after you, though. Like, either for copyright infringement, like, they'd sue My you. life is an infringement. Yeah. <laughs> or they would just, like, hire a hitman. No, you could just... To take you out. You say hitman. You could be crazy to an assassin. <laughs> you anyone into Dude, yeah. Skittles. You'd be just a super weapon. You'd be a weapon of mass destruction. Like, you'd be so powerful. Like, missiles heading your way after you've killed so many people and trying to kill you. Just like, Skittles! Boop! <laughs> <laughs> that sound effect was me turning a missile into Skittles. Um, yeah, dude, like, you wouldn't be able to touch anything, but everything you touch is your freaking prey. You can actually, like, you'd be a legitimate like, superhero, super weapon. Like, okay, yeah. I mean, if you have scissors, yeah, maybe it's more a little bit more practical. You can function day-to-day -day better. But if you had Skittle hands, like, you'd be one of the most powerful people in the world. And the thing is, people might say, oh, just put gloves on. The gloves are going the to turn to Skittles, turn too. Skittles, yeah. Unless it was a glove with, like, huge air pockets, in which case it wouldn't function as a glove because well, you're not operating it. Yeah, you'd need, like, something to wrap around the wrist and then... Be covering the entire thing, like the the Zoolander. Uh, yeah, like the glass hands. Glass. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. I'm glad we sorted that out. Yeah. Um, would you rather be okay? That one's dumb. I'm do you want to move that. on to other games? Uh yeah. Let me just see if there's any other good ones in here. Oh, hold on. This is a good one. Would you rather only be able to see in black and white, or only be able to hear Lil Wayne? <laughs> what? So yeah, <clears throat> so you'd be totally deaf, but you could still listen Here. to Lil Wayne. 
My, um... Only his music, though. My parents and I were driving around today in Manhattan, and Lil Wayne's song comes up on the radio. My parents are like, what is this? <laughs> the guy just keeps yelling the same words! What song was it? I don't remember. So, it was just a lot of yes and okays. Young Moolah. Yeah! That's Lil John. Okay! Oh, you met Wayne? Wheezy? My bad. Um, anyway, a little John song came up, and they were curious about that. Yeah. However, Wheezy. Ugh. Like, he's got some alright tracks, but he's, he's, he's weird. Um, yeah. definitely Grayscale Vision. Yeah, that, yeah, that's actually a terrible, that's an obvious answer. Forget that. Um, would you rather, okay, last one. Would you rather have wings or have a blue eyes white jet? Now, for those listening at home. Blue Eyes White Jet would be a private jet shaped like a dragon. Like a private jet yeah, shaped like a blue eyes white dragon. <laughs> a blue eyes, a blue eyed white dragon. Um, here's the thing: like Eight I would stars, two sacrifices, three thousand attack, twenty five hundred defense. Few things to stand up to it. Um, <laughs> I would love wings personally. I'm not making the decision yet. I would love wings personally if, like, obviously they're capable of flight. It would depend on if they could, like, retract relatively close to my body, what they're made of, like, if they're feathery or bat like or lizard like. Mm hmm. Um, you can I, choose. Yeah. Um. If they could sustain flight and contract into my body, I would love a pair of wings. However, if you had a... a that jet would be a commodity. Like, I'm not going to sell it. You could private jet. Yeah. Fly anywhere you want. <laughs> That's sweet. Plus, you just look like a boss rolling into an airport in a dragon-shaped jet. And if it comes down to it, like, that could be my house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'd never be homeless. Situation tough. Speak to this. Speak to this. Um, I would probably rather I'd probably rather go with the jet, just because if I had wings, I would be a freak. Um, but if you had a jet, if like I had a jet, I'd just be a guy with a jet. And that is a lot cooler. A fly would be awesome. Yeah, it would be awesome actually. Hmm. Tough call. I'll go with the jet. Tough call. If they could retract to my body, and I guess they'd be feathered because I would look nice, like white feathers. I guess like Birdman, the superhero. Yeah, um, you, yeah, that's what I was thinking, like Birdman. You'd look like Birdman. <laughs> Birdman. I'll pick the wings. I'm picking the wings. Alright. Fair choice. Alright, that's enough of this game. Next game. This game is called... Um, well played, by the way. Thank you. Um, this game is called Make a Voice. So, I'm just going to read out a character, a random name that I made up, and you're going to have to just like do a voice. Ooh, is this game catered to me? Yeah, this is an NCAD specific. This is an NCAD special right here. Um, I've, I've done this multiple times, so this should be fun. Okay, perfect. So, I don't know, we can do like... Three or four, whatever. Alright, first. This guy is called Gil the Ninny. Okay. 
Do I get any exposition, or is it merely Guild and Ninny? It's just Guild and Ninny. <laughs> Give me a moment. Alright. Yeah, Guild and Ninny. Gil. The Ninny. Hey, get back here! Don't step all over my lawn! This is my land, not yours! Come on! Guild and Ninny. I like it. <laughs> Alright, this next character is called... Carlos, the salsa expert. I'll, I'll, I'll preface my voice with this. Accents are not my strong suit. Okay. I'll say that it isn't even smart to necessarily be good at accents, because in the voiceover world, if you have a good Spanish accent, they're just going to hire a Spanish person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> So accents are not, like, not necessary, and I'm not good at them. Like, specifically named ones. I mean, Carlos could be, you know... He could be a couple things. Yeah. Carlos the salsa expert. <laughs> a one, two, one, two, a one, two, three. Yes, you've got it. <laughs> That's quite a dance, little lady. How about we dance tomorrow night? Carlos, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I was, it's weird. When I, I was thinking like salt, like chips, you know, nachos and salsa. Just took it in a totally better direction. <laughs> Salsa expert. Oh, yes. Awesome. I'm glad I did that. Uh, um, okay. Um, let's say two more. Um, Clay the opossum. <sighs> okay, okay. Clay. So this is an opossum. He's an opossum. Named Clay. Named Clay. Probably pretty crafty, small in size. Yeah, what can I do you for? I got, I got cheddar, I got Swiss, I even got American, but no one buys that. You're buying cheese here, right? I'm Clay. I sell cheese. <laughs> How did Clay the Opossum like become a cheese? <laughs> vendor. What happened was when I imagined Clay, I imagined him in like either in like one of those stupid cartoonish holes and in like the walls of someone's house. So I imagined him almost being like a high proponent of like the mouse kingdom that could be in someone's house. So I was like, what would a possum, obviously bigger than mice, do? Like he might, he might, it might be a salesman. What do, what do mice need? Cheese. He's got a lot of cheeses. He's a crafty guy. Crafty. Clay. Craft cheese. Awesome. Um, okay, last one. Actually, this is a familiar character I'm going to ask you to do. Actually, no. I'm going to ask you to do two characters. So, first... Is one of them Bone Saw? Do, bone, do a Bone Saw impression right now. <laughs> bone Saw from Spider-Man, folks. I got you in here for three minutes. Three minutes of plate time. Where you going, freak show? You're going nowhere. Bones off. Awesome. <laughs>
Uh, okay. Can you please do a quick, a very quick scene, including um, a rich family um, and their butler, Greer? A very quick scene. Yeah. Now, Gregor, could you pass the lobster? Never! That's a throwback. That's, <laughs> put a little more punch in that. Gregor's right? just such venom. <laughs> just like evil. Like, the best. Seriously, straight up evil. Like liquid malice <laughs> passes through his veins. <laughs> like, like who hired him? He hates these people. <laughs> Why? Why? Why does he hate them? Why are they still employing him? Why hasn't he killed them yet? <laughs> Why is this such a big task? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why won't he pass the lobster? <laughs> Why is that a quote? Why do we know that? So, oh. Alright, that's awesome. Okay, that's right. that does it for this round of Make a Voice. Well played. Thank you. Um. Alright, last game. Oh, shit, I forgot to tell you this. Um, do you know any good jokes? Ooh. Don't, just think of one. I'll try. Or it doesn't have to be good, it just has to be a joke. Um, okay. We're gonna play a game called, um, Name That Lobe. Name That Lobe. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was very confused. Thank you, I really was. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so a lobe, for those who don't know... Is just like the defi- someone's defining characteristic. Like when you think of someone, oh, that's you know, like for example, Michael Jordan's lobe is basketball. You know, Michael Jackson's lobe is music or like touching little kids. Um, you know. Yeah. No, I think we got the idea. All right. Um. So yeah, I'm just gonna, um, I'm just gonna read out a few people, and you're just gonna have to name that lobe. Right quick. Yeah, this will be rapid fire. Okay, first lobe. Bill. Lapanese. Wrath. <laughs> Second lobe, Zach. Doherty. Overachieving. <laughs> Third lobe, corn. Kick a wall. An amalgam of confusion. <laughs> <laughs> I could not put one word to that, man. <laughs> um, Raul Jimenez. Neat. Neat? Yeah. Okay, Bill Cosby. Wonky. Yugi <laughs> uh, Moto. Duelist. King of Games. Mm. Nice. Um, Justin Timberlake. Pop star. Brandon. Oh, Raul's cousin, Brandon. Fro. James Pryor. A legend. Kendrick Lamar. Duckworth. <laughs> Lady Gaga. <clears throat> Out there. Okay. That's it. That's all I wrote.
That's, that's it. She wrote. That's it for name that lobe. Um, do you know any good jokes? Any no, not good jokes. Do you know any jokes? <sighs> Dang it! That lobe game actually took my mentality. I mean, all my mental physique. I couldn't conjoct a joke. Um, not not a joke. Anything? God. I don't. I don't. Ha I'm situational humor. I just don't have a joke. Yeah. Oh, this will be such a weekend if I don't have a joke. It already is. God. Um. Bugging <laughs> that. I'm sorry. Alright. That's fine. No! No! No, it was my fault. I should have, I should have told you before to prepare a joke. Um. I've been defeated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like nothing. Okay. Nothing. Because I'm trying to balance promise, delivery. No, it doesn't have to be good. That's the, that's the point. Just anything. All right. That'll do it for this episode. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, it's been real fun, and I apologize about the joke, but I think everything else has been much, much better. Alright, how about this? Instead of a joke, do you want to take us out with a Star Wars quote? Mine are going to be pretty lame, but I could. Do it! I think you already have. <laughs>